It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is former quarterback Chris Todd, and you are listening to Locked On Auburn. We're fixing to have us a good day. Welcome on into the show. Locked On Auburn, Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas. We got another guest today. It's a good day to have a good day. I agree. And it's a good day to have a good guest. Who we have today, my friend? Well, in uh, in honor of Throwback Thursday, sure, we're going to throw it back about a decade, a little more, and we are going to talk to former Auburn Tiger quarterback and former Texas Tech quarterback, sure. Chris Todd. Yeah, we're pumped about it, so uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy our conversation coming up. Uh, last Thursday... We did a Iron Bowl recap show. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you like that. If you want us to assign more games to watch, we can all kind of go back and watch those uh, separately and then come together and talk about that. And if you do like that idea, if there's some games you want to nominate, I think it'd be fun. Um, I enjoyed doing it last week. Um, yeah, but just uh, let us know. We didn't hear a whole lot of uh, feedback on it. I heard a few good comments. Didn't hear a whole lot of um, negative comments, which that may should be. maybe that's enough. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, cool. All right. So, uh, coming up, our conversation with former Auburn quarterback, Chris Todd. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So, switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. We are joined by former Auburn quarterback Chris Todd. Chris, thank you so much for uh, for joining us uh, via phone uh, today. I mean, uh, crazy times. I mean, what, how has this affected your world? Uh, well, I think yeah, I think it's been a crazy time for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- things are slowing down, obviously. Uh, spending more time, you know, at the house. Uh, you know, groceries, going places, a little more limited. I, I don't know. It, I mean, it's it, it definitely changed things, but it's, it's given me to, to do some times and uh, to do some things that maybe I wouldn't normally do in a typical daily routine and kind of focus on some stuff I want to. So, I mean, I mean it's been it's been. Uh, different, but but good at the same time. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely good to see some of the positives in there, uh, for sure. So you being a former college athlete, I mean, can you imagine uh, what these basketball players and what these baseball players and softball players? I mean, the the list goes on and on with all these spring sports. I mean, can you imagine uh, just kind of getting to the you know the thick of your season, and, you know, especially for these uh, seniors, and they say, okay, um, you're done. I mean, can can you imagine what that was like? I I, I honestly can't. Like I mean, I was I was trying to um, just kind of wrap my head around it, and uh, like canceling March Madness, like that blew my mind. It was yeah. uh, I tell you, a kid summed it up perfectly. I was I was walking out the house because I, I have a place like right next to campus, and so there was a, some people that kind of stayed behind. But this was right after everybody kind of put got put on lockdown, right. and we heard about the NCAA tournament. And there was this kid across the street, like up on the second floor, and I just hear him yelling. He's like, "I need." My March Madness, <laughs> and it's just like it was. That's it relatable. Was so funny because it was so funny because it was just this. It didn't seem like you were allowed to do that, 
like, you can't cancel March Madness. And, like, I wanted it myself. Like, it was part of my life every year. Like, you know, we used to do a bracket as a family. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, then, then you get to the players. It, it, it was it was just so much. And, it, and it's so different than anything we've experienced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine being some of these guys, you know, going into their you know their last chance to do it, their last chance to do it, and especially the the upperclassmen with the guys here locally. I mean, at Auburn, they were so close, and you know that you just knew they wanted to do it again. I just, I can't well, well, that, imagine. See that part take that part takes it a little further too, uh, just because it's I, I don't know, just not having the opportunity, and I don't know what they'll do to to make up for it, but it's like not having the opportunity to play. Like especially if it's a, a senior year or last year, or you know if you're making a run at the tournament, or if you're you know at, at, you know whatever other sport you're talking about, it's just it doesn't seem like I don't know. It's it's, it's really hard to fathom. Right. And as far as you know, football players, uh, I mean, put yourself in their situation. Uh, maybe that'd be a little bit easier for you as far as okay, uh, you know, you're getting ready for for spring practice. You know, get a chance to you know possibly fight for a starting job if you're a lot of these guys. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. And then there's rumors, and there's a lot of you know really smart people saying that, okay, hey, college football may be canceled too. Uh, yeah, so, so actually I would like to be filled in on the – so you're saying college football during the season could be canceled depending on how the virus comes? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, there's some reports out there, and there's some – you know, the, the NFL came out earlier this week and said, hey, we're expecting to have a normal season. So – We'll see. I mean, but uh, I think kind of regardless of where you look at, like it's definitely not positive. It's definitely not a hundred percent chance thing that it's going to happen. I mean, can do you think if you were a, yeah. if you were a guy preparing for the season that, that would affect how you could possibly train or you know kind of your your mindset going into it? Yeah. So, uh, well, first, you know, I think it's definitely possible that something could happen in the season. I mean, if you look back with history, especially like the Spanish flu, um, which is maybe the closest thing we have to compare it to. Yeah. Um, I mean, that second, that second peak is definitely possible. So, I mean, it's um, definitely imaginable that, some, you know, our season could get hit. Um, to, to respond specifically to a couple things you said, that yes, it would, it would affect your ability to train quite significantly. Um, the one great equalizer in my mind is the fact that everybody's having to go through it themselves. Um, and so it's not necessarily having one person or one team that, that's uh, hit unequally until you get to the point where you're trying to consider something else you said where you know do some teams have more starters returning the others so do they have people that have experience where you know maybe spring ball was going to give them some of the experience they needed um like whether you had new players that were getting started in positions and 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 then going to the point where you also said springtime is such it's a time to compete uh there's there's a lot of things that go on in spring ball whether it's you know learning the ropes um, getting you know scrimmage experience, getting you know a day experience, uh, and then and then guys that are kind of on that edge, you know, like that, that's really kind of where they get a chance to showcase the talent and, and what they can do. So I, I think it really could hit them maybe the hardest. Sure, sure. So Chris, you've played for uh, Gus Malzahn. You were kind of one of his first guys that he got to work with at Auburn in his in his first stint as um, as offensive coordinator. I mean, what did you? Um, what did you get from your time as playing for Gus Malzahn? Huh. What did I so like like what did I get that would be different from what I got other places? What did I learn? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a little open ended. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as him um, making you think about the game of football or just kind of his approach to the game, I mean, did it? Yeah. I mean, how, how did that have an effect on you? Yeah. So, um, well, the first question, I mean, there's a lot of things that I gained from, you know, my time at Auburn and then my time uh, with Gus, especially in 09. I mean, it was, a, it was such a fun season to play with. Uh, you know, we had, we had a phenomenal group of guys. Uh, I think we did a lot of that season, uh, which which I think ended up being huge building blocks for, for the next year even to go on and win the national championship. So it, it was such a pleasure uh, to be a part of that year. Uh, with, with Gus in particular, so um, it was, you know, coming in, I think I learned a lot having to struggle again to win a starting job, you know, coming out, out of soldier, uh, shoulder surgery and then, yeah. uh, having a new coaching staff. Uh, you know, I think I, I, you know, I typically go kicking and screaming when I have to go through these big struggles in life. But, uh, you know, usually it's one of those things where something's really tough, you know, yet you're forced to ta- tackle some fears and uh, overcome some obstacles, so you grow it a lot. And I think I grew quite a bit in '09, uh, you know, leading up to that season just because I had to overcome, you know, so much during that period. So I think I grew a, grew a ton. I, I was able to develop a lot of skills that I didn't have before just in preparation to getting into that 2009 fall camp where I was going to have a chance to, to showcase my skills. Um, but then, you know, like working with Gus in particular, he brought in, you know, this power eye to shotgun, play-action passing game that, that uh, you know, I'd, I'd worked in, in several different systems, but I'd never really seen it quite like that. And so... Uh, the really the the timing throws, uh, I developed a lot from that. I, I I hadn't done much of that before. So, and what I mean by that is just, you know, doing a play fake and coming off one two three throw, which which, I guess that would equate to your old school under center. You know, doing a five step drop and hit, you know hitting that last step and, and throwing a, you know, a deep out or a, or a bang eight post. Um, and so so I really got to add that part to what I had developed up to that point, which yeah. I think, you know, ended up as, as being uh, a pretty good collection, you know, once we got out there. Sure. We will continue our conversation with Chris Todd next, right here on Locked on Auburn. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, before we jump back into our conversation with Chris, I just want to encourage folks to Check out all of uh, all of our stuff on social media. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at Locked On Auburn. Follow us on Instagram at Auburn Podcast, and you can search Locked On Auburn and Locked On Auburn Chatter on Facebook. You you describing Gus Malzahn's offense when you finally got a chance to to look at it and and ultimately win that starting job. A lot of Auburn fans kind of point at Gus Malzahn's offense and say how he's not doing what he did when he first started. Would you agree with that? Yes and no. Okay. Um, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. Would you like to get more specific with your question, or I can take it where you'd like me to? Um, I got a feeling your response will be better than me asking a question. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, is there, is there a particular way you would like for me to respond to how it's changed? Because because it has. I would think that you can look at you can look at at, at quite a bit of offenses. Um, I, I can give you another one. You could look at uh, like like Tony Franklin. We had him uh, before we had Gus here, right? And that's an offense that's widely run by a lot of people, and it's been very successful. And that's anywhere from uh, you know Mike Leach. About it when he was at Texas Tech when I was up there, and you know Washington State. Now he's going to be at Mississippi State. Uh, Dana Holgerson, uh, when he was at where he's at, he was at West Virginia. When he's at Houston now. And yeah. then, uh, anyways, there's a uh, Lincoln Riley who's at Oklahoma. So there's a lot of people that run that same base offense. And if you look at, you know, what Tony's doing now, as opposed to when he was either here or even before that, like he he has continually tweaked it and changed things. Now some people kind of leave it pretty similar. Mike Leach is one of those people that doesn't change it a ton. He's more uh, allows quarterbacks to do variations and plays uh, within the same play. Tony kind of tweaks it depending on what defenses respond to. Uh, I would say so. Now to get to circle back around to, to Coach Malzahn, uh, in particular, what has he changed? You know, I think particularly there in the in the early like the early few years when he was here. Like you take me in '09, you take Cam Newton in '10. Um, even 11, 12, up to 13, it was, it was, um, it was a little easier to see the like specific differences that were taking place. Okay. Um, especially from 09 to 10, you know, I thought, I thought coach Malzahn did such a, such a, or, I thought he did a really good job of transitioning the offense from me to Cam Newton. I mean, it was, um, cause like I had a particular skill set and I had certain plays that, that, me and, and our guys ran well. Like it, it, you get to the point where you get really confident and stuff, and you could, you know, feel like you do it with your eyes closed. Well, then you look at the next year. You know, in, in 09, we weren't running a ton of, you know, quarterback towers, uh, which they were doing. Where you know, where he does a little play fake and he sticks it up in there. You know, takes that six five six six frame and, and ramps it up. Sure. Um, you know, we weren't running a ton of inside. We were running a lot of inside zone. We just weren't running a ton of keepers, which is what they. They ultimately did with uh, like Nick Marshall in thirteen because he was absolutely phenomenal at it. Yeah. Um, even with like Stidham and and now with Bo, I think a lot of times the offense has been um, has been changed, dictated on who's the quarterback. I think it's been a little harder to see that specific change lately. Um, you know, and some of that it's hard to know exactly what all the reasons. You know, we've had some different people calling plays. Gus has come in, has come in. Some people have come in and made a few changes. Um, you know, I think with a really young quarterback, sometimes it takes time to find out what they're really good at. Because um, I mean, sometimes through college you're developing certain skills and you're learning to throw new things. So I think it'll take a little bit of time for him to create that. Um, area of the office that that he feels super comfortable and confident in. How's that answer? I thought it was a great answer. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, Michael? Yeah. Right, cool. <laughs> I uh, say what? I, I thought it was great. Also, great job. Okay, you nailed that, uh, man. In in your college football career, you had uh, some pretty big. Uh, quarterback battles um, with a couple guys who are big time college football coaches now. Uh, what was that like at, you know, as a college kid playing, you know, playing for uh, a big time starting job, both, you know, for you at Texas tech and at Auburn. <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. An interesting Thanks. one too. It, you know, I think that's a, that's a part of it that, um, 
I don't want to say it gets thrown out or it's just, but it, but it's kind of missed. Like uh, I feel like people kind of miss that point of it. Uh, so th- these competitions with that you have going up to the season, it's it's so. I mean, it's very dramatic. Like it, I mean, it's almost like a drama playing out in itself uh, in the preseason. And I, I tell you, they're, they're very very character developing, and I think you kind of figure out who you are, uh, you know, things about you. I mean, you're kind of forced to because if you don't, then, you, then you're not going to win and figure out a way to be better on a daily basis. But uh, I think, Michael, the, the guys you're referring to would be, uh, well, Graham Harrell out of Texas Tech, who he was at USC. Is he still there? Yes. Michael okay, loves Graham Michael loves Graham Harrell. He absolutely loves Graham Harrell. You said Michael does? Yeah, Michael loves him some Graham. Well, like what, about the offense in particular or what? Yeah, I just think he's a... Or is it uh, just a warm feeling en- that he gives you? I enjoyed watching him... <laughs> I enjoyed watching him uh, throw bombs to Michael Crabtree, and then I just think his uh, his coaching rise has just been absolutely fascinating. Um, he was really successful at North Texas, obviously, and then jumping from you know offensive coordinator at North Texas for a, a year or two all the way to OC at USC. And Big then, jump. you know, in his first season, he's got back-to-back quarterback injuries and has to use his third-string quarterback and still has one of the more prolific offenses in the country. I just – I'm very impressed with him as as a coordinator, as a coach now. But – Yeah, he's – go ahead. I don't know. That, that's not where uh, – that's not why I asked the question. I, <laughs> but still. He loves no, no, Graham Harrell. I think, that, I think that's part of it. It's, um, you know, I think it, it, it's it's kind of wild to look at. And I, I will I – will, I will go back to the quarterback battle because I think that's a good conversation to have and you ask the question. But speaking of that, it, it's really funny. When you look back at that, that, that offense in particular in the core, it, it, first of all, if you look back at the history of when, when it was built, it's just back with BYU, BYU, and then you look at you know Hal Mummy and, and Mike Leach that took that and kind of made a lot of it what it is. I mean, a lot of that, was there was so, ingenu- so much ingenuity and just – it really just genius work. It was two like really, really intelligent guys taking a, a great base new thing that, that people developed, and they just created this system that um, has lasted a long time. It's been very successful. So you get those guys in there that, um, like Lincoln Riley, I mean, he was a GA. Like, he used to teach me to watch film. Actually, with me and, and Graham Harrell were both there competing. Like, we would both go in and watch film with, with, uh, with Lincoln, and – I mean, it was like I wasn't going to let him watch more film than me, and he sure as heck wasn't going to let me watch more film than him. And so we were spending day, you know, day after day after day after day, and there was Lincoln, and and Lincoln Lincoln had spent the time with Leach and knew that offense so well. And man, I I don't know how much Graham learned. I'm sure he learned a ton too. But I I learned so much about that offense just going to the, sitting in the office with Lincoln Riley and putting on a game film, and then he'd go up to you know wait till you know they got up the line of scrimmage, he'd push the pause button, and he'd be like, "What do you see?" And I'd have to sit there and tell him, okay, well, I think this play might be good. This play might be good. This play might be good. He'd be like, okay, I like that. I like that. Or I don't like this. And he's like, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. And and then he'll move on. We go to the next play. And then so you see, like, you just continually see these defenses. You continually see, like, you know, offensive formations. And you start thinking, I guess ultimately like like an offensive coordinator. Um, and you're like, oh, okay. And you start looking at, at alignments and leverage and, you know, open grass. And, and, and then you start applying this. You know, offensive plays and philosophy, and, and and what you could do against particular defenses, and 
you know, what our goal was out at Tech was to be eventually be able to call plays on the field as a quarterback. Um, you know, they thought that having that viewpoint was the best, and while they would give you a suggestion as a play, you needed to be able to change it if necessary. And so, you know, I think it's I think it, that that mindset, the, you know, the original genius of putting that offense together, and then somebody figures some stuff out, and, and that this process they've created is, you know, some people have had some meteoric rises because of it. Uh, like you said, uh, with Graham, uh, with Lincoln, uh, I mean, Leach is back in the SEC now, so we'll see it. So um, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's been pretty impressive what some of these guys have done. How was that experience with, you know, the coaches? Give, like you said, they gave you a suggestion of a play to run, but you were kind of expected to call them on the field. How was that different than your experience uh, having Gus as an offensive coordinator at Auburn? Um, so it is – I mean, it, that, that would be quite a bit different. Uh, Gus is – so he, he, he's calling plays in, but uh, as you've seen, when they, when they come through – because I guess people really have different philosophies on what they're wanting. Um, and I wouldn't say it's very typical for people to give quarterbacks that much leeway. Um, I would say some of them get more, like, the longer you've been somewhere. Um, and that was something, like, they, we could do at Tech because – you know, a lot of times they weren't having necessarily young guys playing. Like it was, uh, especially when he first got there, he had some, you know, fifth-year seniors. And then, um, I mean, I think me and Graham, when we were competing, like we were freshmen and sophomores. So that was one of the first, like, young battles he had had, uh, maybe with the exception of Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, and so, like, I don't know, having some guys where you have time and have years, like you're, you're able to give them more responsibility. But, um, you know, it, it's definitely a game-changer. I mean, it makes things – very different. Uh, from Gus's standpoint, uh, he's he's leaving he's leaving more control on his side. Uh, when I say his side, it's not necessarily him. I mean you've got, I mean you've got different people, um, and I've helped call plays on this side too. Like when I was at UMass, I was up in the box, and uh, you know my my responsibility every down you know every down was to see. Well, first of all, I had to be like down in distance, the situation that we were in, and then I was looking at, at, at coverages that the defense was running. And then I would kind of map that out based on percentages for, you know, what, you know, what do they typically go run on third and eight? You know, what percent, what, what do they typically run on, you know, second and four? Uh, what are they typically, uh, that type of stuff. And so you're looking for all those numbers. And so some people are really coming from it from that standpoint. Um, and so it's like an example would be this. You know, they, they have a feel, and if they're kind of question a, a particular situation, I mean, it might be like, all right, hey, what did they have? Um, what did they have? Uh, what were they running in the second quarter? So, uh, like, based on the coverage on third and long. And you're okay, well, they're going to come out in this. They've been rolling three. Okay? So then you kind of have an expectation of, I think they're going to do this, and so you're basing the play call on that. Um, I, I'm not – like, that, that would be something more similar to what Coach Malzahn is doing. And so uh, there, there's the information going into it, but it's more going to be like you're going to have spotters seeing this. You're going to have somebody watching um, defensive stunts, like on the D-line. You're going to have uh, people watching, you know, incorporating the linebackers. You're also going to have somebody watching a lot of secondary. Um, and then so you're going to have a lot of say-so there. And so he's waiting. And I know, I'm sure you all have seen, you know, Coach Malzahn waiting to hear something or, or he's kind of holding people up. And then he gets information, and then a play goes through. Is that have you all seen that before? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess that's more of the process. If, I, if I'm explaining that well, did I did I put a picture to that so you could kind of see what I'm talking about? 
I think you nailed yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of more of his process. Uh, now, you could argue. You know, ultimately, we're comparing both of them. You know, which one is better? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think there's advantages to both. Like, I think when you're, you know, when you're looking at numbers, like you can be specific about a game. You can be specific about what somebody's running. You can be, um, you know, you're getting multiple heads coming into it. Uh, the thing about giving more leeway to the quarterback, it's just like that's kind of something that, you know, if he's well prepared, he's watched a lot of film, um, and he can kind of do things on the fly as he feels necessary. And, and I guess that's more of, I don't know if that's more like of a creative side uh, where you're kind of going with the flow of the game, but it's just, it's just a different approach. Sure. Chris, thank you so much for your time, man, this morning. We really, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Chris Todd for joining the show today. We appreciate it. We got some more guests coming up over the next few weeks, guys. So get excited about that. Michael, where can people find you and hear you? Before we leave, okay, I got to say. Yes. That 2007 to 2009, 2010 Texas Tech football staff right. is fascinating it's crazy it's absolutely insane i mean he chris talked about some of the guys and i kind of wish that we could just talk to him about the year or two he spent at texas tech for an hour and a half because Uh i mean he tells a story about watching film with lincoln riley like you know lincoln riley's one of the he's taken his team to the playoff three years in a row his only three years as a head coach yeah and like this guy was a GA on that team that also had Dana Holgerson as I believe the offensive coordinator and you know Mike Leach Mike Leach as head coach and if I'm not mistaken the O line coach is a head coach somewhere now also I mean the whole staff is just absurd. Um, I mean that, that wrote, team I mean that Texas Tech team overachieved like crazy. Yeah, oh I mean, it was insane. I mean they were one of the best teams in the country. Texas Tech and I mean yeah. that, that Texas Tech Texas game that year was one of the. Um, one of the craziest games I've ever watched. I bought a Michael Crabtree jersey just because of that game. Uh, that was the one where after the game, Michael Crabtree goes, I dreamt it in my head. <laughs> we were like, okay. Like, cool, man. Well, where where else would you have dreamt it? All right, sweet. Uh, where can people find you and hear you, buddy? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Couch Potato. You can follow me on Twitter at Z Black. We follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.